My name is Heather Alpers. My mom um, and dad divorced when I was a year and a half. You know, throughout my whole life, um, up until I was, you know, in my 20s, I just remember being, um, just feeling like there was something wrong with me. And so in high school, my best friend at the time, she invited me to come to youth group with her. And so I started going to youth group. And that's when I first started encountering the Lord. Um, and I, I desired to, um, to have that walk, that Christian walk. I started, um, you know, dating for the first time at 16, uh, 17. I ended up um, sleeping with somebody and um, I was a Christian and I, I didn't understand how I could have done that. You know, I fell into sin and I went up to the altar and I remember just laying it before the Lord and saying, you know, I don't want to do this. Um, I was seeking love and my dad wasn't around. I was seeking love, affection, but my, the summer before my freshman year of college, I got pregnant and uh, it was just an, under, you know, an unspoken thing, get an abortion. And so that's what I did. And then I realized later how much that affected me. Things started spir spiraling out of control. Um, I remember like the first time I started using pills and it was helping me get through college. I ended up going to my first treatment center and it was just a 30 day treatment center. Um, I got out of that treatment um, facility and I, two weeks later I was pregnant. Uh, but I, I knew I wasn't going to have an abortion. I, I knew that wasn't an option for me. And so I started my, this life, um, this new life for me and my baby. But I got lonely and I started drinking. And then I, I found meth. You know, I know I was trying to fill a void, you know, and, and God was pursuing me the whole time. I mean, he was, and he gave me so many opportunities just to turn to him and I became homeless. I was living in my car, saying I was going to treatment, not going to treatment. I have my bachelor's in communications. I have my master's in elementary education. I was gonna be a teacher. I mean, I had all this, these plans and yet I got into such a place of darkness that I truly thought that's how it was gonna end. And then finally, like all these people kept bringing up Teen Challenge. I remember thinking a couple months into the program, I'm actually in the will of God. God has protected my heart so much and healed my heart so much. God still has a plan, you know, and he is still faithful and um, I can trust him. I can trust him no matter what. For me, it's not even that the outsides of my life are being restored, but it's there's truly been an inner restoration that's happened, you know, within my heart. Hey, it's your grace. Man, it is good to see you again. And uh, just what an honor it is to, to get a chance to preach to you. And I love Heather's story. Um, you know, when I watched that, I saw her say that she had a master's degree and that she's a mom and obviously has a lot going for her. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we think, you know, uh, I shouldn't have all these problems, right? And be looking for love and men and, and pills and, you know, what did she say? Alcohol and meth and the abortion and all the stuff that she went through. And the reality is this, we can really look the part, but all of us are broken and all of us need help. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, you're like, I might look okay on the outside, but I feel broken on the inside. I've got some scars and some wounds. Um, when somebody like Heather shares her story publicly, it really takes away 
um, any of that shame and that guilt, that, you know, that false guilt that seeks to pull you down. And she just gives glory to God that her life is different. So Heather, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story. And while she was sharing that, she actually mentioned, um, she said, when I was growing up, I thought there was something wrong with me. And I think there might be some young people um, watching right now, and you might be like, I don't know, I, I feel like there's something wrong with me, and maybe I'm not like the other kids, or I don't fit in with other people. Can I just stop for a moment and just look at you and just say, do you know how normal that is? Um, to just question your value and, and feel like you're, something's wrong with you? That's called growing up. That's called being a kid, being a teenager, trying to figure it out. Um, so I want to really caution you. The devil would love to say there's something wrong with you and have that drive you to the wrong places. Um, I think the Lord uh, created you and there's a lot right in you. So don't buy into that, all right? Um, I've been praying for you a lot. I mean, a lot recently. And uh, probably all need that prayer. And um, I don't know if your world is like mine right now, but li literally, like, how many times have you like, gone to the store doors and said, oh, my mask is in the car and turned around and gone back, right? We used to do that here in like Lacey because of our grocery bags. Now it's like the mask, you know, do I have a mask with me? I forgot to bring the mask and it's just a different world that we're living in. It's a crazy time, but the sun is shining. I think that we are hopefully turning some corners. I've been saying that for a long time, so forgive me. <laughs> we'll be back in, you know, back in a month, back in two months. We can do this. And like, how many months is this going to be? Um, but I think if you're clinging to Jesus, then no matter how many months it is, you're going to be all right. Um, don't, don't cling to the world. Cling to the Lord during this time. And so I'm praying for you and praying uh, for hope for you as well. Uh, your identity is not in your sins. I love uh, what Heather shared. It's your identity is not in your sins, but it's in your Savior if you've made Jesus Lord of your life. Let me just uh, start this message off by saying this. We titled the message, Who is Your King? And, and I oftentimes, if you'll hear me, I often don't say God a lot because God's kind of just, you know, there's God, you know, he just means he's powerful, whatever, you know, there's all these gods in the world. Some people think they're God or you're God or we're God. And, and you'll often hear me use this term. I often say, uh, I, I want to worship the Lord or the Lord has been speaking to me. And, and I, I really prefer that term Lord over God. And, and I thought about that. Why is it that way? Um, I think I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I don't, I don't want to just believe in God, but I really want to make it personal and real. When I say Lord or Savior or Creator or even this word that He's Master, the, instead of just, you know, God's out there somewhere, it's like, no, He's Lord. I place Him above me because I'm not Lord of my life. I'm not the Creator of the world. I don't have it all figured out, but I do think there is one who is. And I've placed him as Lord of my life. Um, Dan Seacrest, my pastor growing up in this church, uh, used to say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all of your life. And that's a challenge to me because so, it's so easy to have a part of your life that Jesus really isn't Lord of that part of your life, but he's mostly Lord, but not over this part of your life. And when we bring those things out into the light and we say, Jesus, be Lord of my entire life. I don't want to be God. I don't want to pretend like I'm the Lord. I'm the Savior. I'm the Creator. Be Lord of my life. So I like to call Him Lord of my life. He is my King. Um, the people of God, um, if you have a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, I'm going to call them the church because the followers of the Lord are the church. Um, in the Old Testament, they had Abraham. 
right? They followed Abraham. And then God would always raise up a leader. So they had, they had Moses and they had Joshua. And, and then, you know, the people are desecrated and God gives them Nehemiah and he goes in and rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And, and God raises up many judges, um, both, uh, <clears throat> both ordinary people and people maybe you, you, you might think are incredible. But God raises up people. He raises up Samuel. And then he raises up kings uh, for his people and then prophets. And, and God raises up leaders. The question is, are we able to follow uh, the person that God has raised up for us to follow? Can we be led? Who do we follow? Um, here's a great question. I really want to ask this of you. Who can you learn from? Uh, how can God speak to you through another human being? Um, hopefully God is speaking to you. Sometimes God speaks to me often through the Bible, often when I'm on a run, definitely when I'm in prayer or in my journal. Sometimes God speaks to me through my kids. God will speak to me. Um, God speaks to me through my, about my dog because my dog is uh, poorly behaved and so am I. You know, sometimes I get so upset and I go, wait a minute, that's kind of how I am. I want to get away with things with God sometimes too. So God uh, wants to speak to you and God uses uh, people in your life. Jesus is the King of kings, and I've made him Lord of my life. That's what I believe. That's, I, I believe, what the Bible says. Let's talk about kings for just a moment because we have some famous kings in the world. We have uh, Elvis Presley, um, who in the 50s and 60s became known as the King of Rock and Roll. Um, king of Rock and Roll. So in fact, some of you maybe remember those days. Some of the olders of you might be like, oh, I remember, you know, his music coming out and all of that. Um, Michael Jackson was the king of pop. They decided, you know, he sold so many albums and he was so cool and so many women fainted in the 80s when he came on the scene that he's the king of pop music um, and, you know, following Elvis. Um, today, we have like the NBA playoffs going on right now. We've got King James, LeBron James, a basketball player now for the Lakers. I always think that's interesting that they call him King James, like the King James version of the Bible. So that's, you know, evidently LeBron is, you know, into the Bible. Um, in fact, in the scripture, the people of God, they had kings, right? So the people asked for a king. And the first king, maybe you know, is uh, Saul. The second king of Israel is David. And the third king is Solomon. And then the kingdom is split in two. So the people of God ask for a king and they get these humans uh, to be their kings. How about this king? Probably America's least favorite king is King George. Uh, when we think about the Declaration of Independence and our freedom to uh, live free lives and not how the King of England asked us or wanted us to live during the Revolutionary War. Um, there's also some kings today. Uh, when I was in Thailand probably seven years ago, uh, the King of Thailand's picture was posted everywhere. I mean, everywhere you went, you saw the King of Thailand, and his, his name was everywhere, and his picture was everywhere, and the people kind of had this honor thing about the King of Thailand, which is even Thailand's starting to go away from that mindset now. But if the Bible is true, um, every single king, queen, prime minister, president, and would-be president will one day bow their knee before the Lord. Think about that. No matter how important, no matter how powerful, no matter what kind of military is at their disposal, every prime minister, every president, every king and queen will one day bow down before the Lord because He is the King of Kings. Speaking of King George, on April 18, 1775, um, John Adams and John Hancock 
and Pete Bowdish were at the home of Reverend Jonas Clark. No, Pete wasn't there. He's just a friend of mine, all right? Uh, John Adams, John Hancock were at the home of Reverend Jonas Clark, a Lexington pastor and militia leader. Isn't that cool? He got to be a pastor and a militia leader. I think I'm going to go for that sometime uh, soon here. And uh, that same night, Paul Revere arrived to warn uh, them of the approaching redcoats. The next morning, British uh, Major Pitcairn announced or shouted to an assembled regiment of Minutemen, Disperse, ye villains, which is what I say when I walk into a room of preschoolers. Disperse, ye villains, he, he yelled at the uh, Americans, and um, lay down your arms in the name of George, the sovereign king of England. The immediate response of Reverend Jonas Clark was simply this, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Wow. Whose authority do you recognize? Who is Lord in your life? Who receives honor in your life? Is it yourself or someone else? Who is your king? You may not feel like you have a king, but you have someone that you honor whose opinion matters, and it may be your own. The cry of the Christian forefathers in this nation was simply this, we have no king but King Jesus. We're rejecting the King of England and we actually choose to follow King Jesus. What an incredible statement for them to make in 1775. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 8, I want to walk through uh, some of this about the people of God looking to a human leader, right? And the Bible is very clear, like the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. But sometimes we don't look to the Lord. We look to something that's created uh, on this earth, whether it's a material or whether it's a person. This is what the Bible says. As Samuel grew old, uh, this, who was leading the people of God, he appointed his sons to be judges, leaders over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his eldest sons, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba, but they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Um, every time I read something like that, it makes me just stop and, and realize it's easy to minister to so many people and then to miss your own family. Mom and dad, you are your kid's spiritual leader, especially at this time. But you're always your kid's spiritual leader. They're going to look to you, the kind of home environment you have. If your kids never see you reading the Bible, what are you speaking to them? You are their spiritual leader. You're the one that treats them how to treat others. You're the one that's going to tell them about Jesus. You're the one that's going to teach them uh, the teachings of Christ. It's up to you to be that spiritual leader. Um, The world has actually suffered greatly because parents have abdicated their role as spiritual leader of their children. Make sure that you are leading your kids spiritually, that you're investing in them, pouring into them in that way. Verse 4, finally all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss uh, the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old. Thank you. You're old, Samuel, and your sons are not like you. So give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. And Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Give us a king to judge us like other nations have. And Samuel was displeased with their request. But this is my favorite part. He went to the Lord for guidance. And I hope that when you need guidance in your life, that you go to the Scripture, you go to the Lord, you go to God in prayer, and you say, God, I need your help. Um, What a wise thing to do to recognize that you don't know what to do and to go to the Lord for help, for guidance. 
Samuel walked with the Lord, it was clear to him that this was not God's plan for his people, that they would be like all the other nations around them and, and raise up a human king. God had always been their leader, but they wanted a human leader. There's only one true king. It wasn't Samuel. It was the Lord. What's interesting is this. In, in reality, even in times, um, even in those times when uh, the people of God had kings. And when God gives them kings and they go into the, you know, the era of kings just like all the other nations, even when they had a king, God chose to speak to His people mostly, in fact, vastly more, not through the kings, but through prophets. And there's a reason why. Um, people who truly heard God's voice uh, were not necessarily people of position, but people who longed for what God longs for. Listen, people who hear the voice of God on a regular basis are people who long for what God longs for. They want to see the mission of God uh, go forward. They want to love people who've never even heard the name of Jesus. People who long for what God longs for, the prophets in that day, some of you today, you're the one that are hear you're hearing God's voice because your heart is after his heart. You've lined yourself up with the Lord. The people who hear God's voice are the people who longs for what he longs for. Samuel was one of those people, but he knew that the king would not be one of those people. So Samuel goes to the Lord for guidance, and hopefully you and I do as well. Verse 7, this is what it says. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are not rejecting me, or excuse me, for they are rejecting me, God says to Samuel. They, they don't want me to be their king any longer. Listen, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you rejected God as Lord of your life? What have you rejected in your life? God knows when he's being rejected. It doesn't get past him. It's not like God thinks, oh, they just want a you know, human military leader. God knows when he's being rejected. And probably you've rejected God at times in your life. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I, I know God doesn't want me to date this person, but I'm going to anyways. I know God doesn't want me but I'm going to anyway. I know God's asking me to, but I'm not going to. I'm rejecting His plan for my life. God knows when He's being rejected. And listen, if you were choose to reject someone in this life, and you're going to have to at times, so you're going to have to you know, pick between people. If you reject someone, make sure it's not the Lord. Don't reject the Lord for a human relationship. If you reject anyone, don't reject the Lord in your life. It's possible that the United States of America as much as it was founded on in God we trust and under God and all those terms and all the scriptures all over our nation's capital and all that, it's possible America will reject God. Not partially, but fully. Um, and if that happens, you know, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Throughout history, the people of God were blessed and God gave them favor and they, they fought off armies that were way bigger than they ever should have been able to fight off. And, and God freed them from the hands of the Egyptians when they were slaves. And God gave them courage to, to go into the promised land. And, and all those who opposed the Israelites, they, they still respected their God. In fact, they were in awe of the Israelites' God. And, and maybe you know the stories of the Ark of the Covenant. They were in awe of their God. And yet the people of God, they wanted a human king. And so when a human came, came, came along, the neighboring peoples, when Israel, the, Israel, the nation of Israel would have victories, they wouldn't necessarily give God the credit. Now the credit was going to David or Saul or a human king. 
when it was God's favor, God's blessing, God's hand on the nation. Think about that. Verse 8 and 9. Ever since I brought them up out of Egypt, uh, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, the Lord says to Samuel. And now they are giving you the same treatment. So do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about what the king uh, will reign, about the way that a king will reign over them. Listen, the Lord reminds them they're constantly rejecting me and choosing other things. Let me ask you a quick question. What are the idols in your life? Maybe money is way more important to you than it should be. Maybe acceptance is more important to you than it should be. What are the idols in your life? Where do you put your heart, your time, your energy, your focus? What is it that you think about that maybe you even obsess about a little bit? The Lord says, they've rejected me, Samuel. Not, they have not rejected you. Tell them what a king will do, that he will take their sons and draft them and he will take their property and he will tax them incessantly. He'll, take, he'll even take some of their daughters. Tell them what a king will do. Verse 18, it says, When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king that you are demanding, but the Lord will not help you because you chose this path. You wanted a king. You, you can have it your way. You can have it your way right away. You can have a Burger King king if you really want to. But you will live with the consequences of your choices. What I find so interesting today is that we make choices and then we blame God for the choices that we made. Consequences are going to come from your choices. Be really smart about the choices you're making today because you're going to live with those consequences and don't blame God for your decision. And Samuel warns them, and their response is simply this. The people refuse to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king uh, will judge us and lead us into battle. Man, comparing ourselves to people around us and, and wanting to be like the people around us, even the people around us who don't serve God, it never goes well for us. You ever compare yourself to people around you? What seems like success or what they might have that you don't have? It never goes well. Especially when they're people who don't even know the Lord. So Samuel, verse 21, repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. And so the rule of man replaced the rule of God. Um, here's the reality. When you get what you want, you don't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you want or what you thought you wanted and you realize it's really not what you want. Maybe you're chasing after something or pursuing something or thinking something's going to solve um, all of your problems. And sometimes when you get what you want, you really realize it really is, it wasn't even what you wanted. If the God of the, of the Bible is not Lord of your life, the question is, who is? Who is Lord of your life? When I was uh, a sophomore in high school, I kind of looked around and I thought, you know what, I'm kind of a halfway Christian. Uh, uh, you know, I go to church and from a nice family, but you know, there's a lot of things that I do that I know doesn't honor God. And I, I never questioned that I needed a Savior because I was very in touch with my own sin. I understood that from being a child. And I remember kind of looking around and you know, trying to make this decision, am I going to follow Jesus or not? Am I just going to go to church and then once I hit 18, just go do whatever I want? Or 
what do I really, what do I plan to do here? He really wasn't king of my life. He wasn't Lord of my life. And I began to look around and just kind of go, you know, I don't like where I am. I don't like this middle ground of believing in God, but not living for God. And so I had to make a decision and no one made it for me. And it wasn't even a church gathering where somebody just said, you know, get right or get left. You got to figure this out. But there was a moment there where I just kind of, really honestly, it was over a season of a few months that I began to kind of just look around and go, I kind of want to be the real deal. I don't want to be halfway. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to have casual faith. I mean, that's easy, especially in this country, to have casual faith in, in God. But to make Him Lord of your life, well, that's going to cost me something, right? That's going to, that's going to change things. And I remember thinking, I'd rather just try to dive into the deep end of faith in Jesus and see what happens than kind of stay here in the shallow, not really, not really going deep at all. And so that was a year in my life where I, I'll call it this, I, I dethroned myself. I took off my crown as king of my life. And I said, you know, honestly, I don't even want to be the king of my own life. I want the God who created me. I want the Savior who came for me. I want the one who's qualified, who actually knows what he's talking about, not me. I want to dethrone myself and all my opinions and all my thoughts, and I don't want to try to be king of my own life. And, and, and it's got to come in a time of humility where you realize, who, who am I to think that I know how I should live my life? So I dethroned myself as king of my life and I made Jesus Lord of my life. And that's about 30 years ago now. And there have been a lot of ups and downs as with anybody who's trying to serve the Lord. But I like my life better when God is leading it, when the Lord is leading my life, rather than I'm calling all the shots. So I bowed my knee. And I said, there's one king of all kings. And if presidents will bow and prime ministers will bow, one day this life will all be over and we'll stand before God or kneel before God. I would rather kneel before the Lord today. Not wait till that day and just live however I want. I want to submit today. My king can tell me no. My Lord can bring correction in my life. I have no problem saying, I'm the servant, you're the master. I'm creation, you're the creator. I don't want it my way. I think it's better if it's your way. So Lord, come have your way in my life. Your will be done in my life. Who is your king? For a lot of us, the king's the person we see in the mirror. That's not who we want it to be. Would you take this time and just say, Jesus, would you come in and would you be king of my life? I'm taking off my crown. I'm not the boss. I want the one who really understands. Would you be Lord of my life? Can you pray with me? Lord, just in a spirit of humility, we recognize, God, that 
so many things that we think we know. So many opinions we have and so many wants and desires in our flesh, in our humanity. And God, something happens when we bow our knee and we, and we recognize, I'm not God. I never will be God. I never wanted to be God. So Lord, would you come in? Be God. Forgive me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And Lord, lead me. Don't just forgive me and then send me out the same way, but Lord, lead me into the life that I'm meant to have. Because God, this life isn't satisfying. I know there's more. I know you have more for me. So Lord, today, we humbly acknowledge we need you. We don't want to be king or queen of our life. Would you come in and would you replenish us, strengthen us, change us, transform us, God, from the inside out and help us to become like you. There is a God and I am not him. Lord, forgive us and lead us, transform us from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I know there's a few of you, um, this wasn't just a good reminder, this was a powerful moment for you to say, honestly, I gotta physically get on my knees. I gotta start changing how I live. And if that's you, would you tell someone, would you reach out to someone, pray with someone, call someone and just say, I'm starting over. And in humility, I'm living for the Lord and not for myself. And thank God that I'm not God in my life. I have a question for you, I wanna encourage you to to ask this with other people. We call it our Ohana, our group of uh, family or friends that we're um, you know, doing an online church with together. Here's the question. I think it's on the screen. Simply is this. Was there a moment in your life where you realized that only God was God? Uh, maybe that moment just happened two minutes ago. And maybe there's a moment in your life where you just step back and you realize, whoa, this world is a big place. Or something humbled you and made you realize there is one God. And I don't want to be him, and, but I'm so grateful that he loves me. So here's the question. Was there a moment in your life where you realize there's only one God, um, and only God can be God, and he's not you? Maybe just take a moment and share that with people around your um, house, wherever you're watching. And listen, man, just thank you for being different. Don't fall into everything the media is telling you. Don't, don't live the way the world is telling you. It's okay to stand out and be different because you're choosing to live your life in a way that's different than everybody else. You're not going get, to get to the end of your life and wish that you hadn't applied the scripture to your life. Give, serve, do unto others as you would have done to you. Your life is going to add up to something extraordinary when we're all done. All right, God bless you. Thank you for being a part of Online Church. Have a great day.